0: Having that laser focus on the customer and sticking to those roots because all those brands that have this in, the incredible branding, the Vuittons, the Chanel's, the Dior's, they have that heritage story and they don't sway from it. Mm-hmm. You know, Vuitton has its travel roots. Chanel has that audacity embodied by yeah. Coco Chanel and they really stick to it and it underpins everything They do really Mm -hmm. cleverly and it doesn't mean they're not changing and modernizing and moving on, but they have that laser focus.
1: This episode is brought to you by The Travel Counselors, the only franchise travel company in the UAE. If you're inspired to start a business like many of the guests we have on the podcast, love to travel, and the thought of planning dream bucket list holidays lights you up, then this could be the opportunity for you. This flexible business allows you to work from home, onus, whilst travel counsellors provide the training, back office support, licensing, and access to industry-leading booking platform. If you're passionate about travel and have an entrepreneurial spirit and interested in joining a company that put care at the heart of everything that they do, then click the links in the show notes below. Now, let's get into the episode. In today's episode of the Kelly Lumber podcast, I speak to Louise Nichol. Louise used to be the editor in chief of Harper's Bazaar Arabia for nine years, previously Grazia. That was where I originally first met Louise and over the years have followed her personal brand journey. And over the last four years, she has transitioned out of the fashion industry and into fitness. And I thought it was a really interesting take on how she's um transitioned into that, what it's been like, some of the highs and some of the lows. So let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Kelly Luma podcast, Louise. It's been ages since I've seen you. It
0: has Kelly. Lovely to see you and thanks for having me. Thank you for with your lovely on. roaring fire. I
1: know, in Dubai. It's what, very cool just now. <laughs> <laughs> I was so keen to have a bit of a catch-up in the sort of the journey that you've taken through, you know different careers, the personal brand piece. And, and it just intrigued me to know much more about it. So we know each other through the days of fashion. And, and I think even, were you not working at Grazia first?
0: I was, yeah. Yes.
1: And I think that's when editor at Grazia. Yeah. And then you moved on and ended up being editor of Harper's.
0: Harper's Bazaar.
1: And then you've had a, a change over the past couple of years. Do you want to give people a bit of a
0: backstory? Sure. So My name is Louise Nichol. I'm 45. I've got three kids. I moved to Dubai in 2005, Mm -hmm. primarily for work opportunities. I was, what was I, like late twenties, mid mid to late twenties, been working in London as a journalist, loved it, but was hungry to progress up the career ladder. And at that time in fashion journalism, in the UK particularly, it was quite hard to move on no one left those jobs because it really was the golden age, you know. So if you wanted to be promoted, you've got to sit there until, you know, you're 50, 60. It's different now because this predated digital. Mm -hmm. Disclaimer. But at that time, so whilst I loved it, I was really keen to have more responsibility to take more on. So Dubai was, you know, this great opportunity where you could have the big job at a much younger age. You could be the editor of Grazia at 27, as I was. So I loved it for that. Came over for that. Ended Mm -hmm. up meeting my husband here. We got married. So I was in fashion journalism in Dubai, first at Grazia, then at Harper's Bazaar Mm -hmm. Arabia for kind of all of my career out here. Absolutely loved it, loved it, loved it. But they are jobs that you have to love Mm. because they look and sound and are perceived to be a lot more fun and glamorous and less like hard work (laughs) than they actually are. the fashion industry in general, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, particularly in this part of the world, I think. And in in fact, in other parts of the world more so, I think we led the way for having small budgets and small teams. And now the rest of the world is catching up to that. Those glory days are perhaps, you know, not not so much there anymore. So when I loved it, it was honestly the best, you know, absolutely the best Mm -hmm. thing in the world. But I I did hit a wall where suddenly I just almost woke up one day and said I'm done. I'm just I don't enjoy it anymore. It sounds so awful to say I don't like the travel, but when you have a job where you are traveling a lot, a lot of time to LA, mm. which is a, a big old flight, and yeah. um, you've got young kids, and it just kind of lost its appeal for me. And literally overnight, I resigned. Wow. I didn't really think it through. Yeah, it was a very impulsive decision. Yeah, that I just made and. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I think though, when you know, you know, I suppose then you see that knowing now that you made the right decision.
0: It was a hundred percent the right decision. I have to be honest. There were a few times financially afterwards when I was like, you know, I had nothing lined up. I hadn't had any plans. I didn't think it through. I didn't think what I could go on to do next. Mm. I was just like, I know this isn't where I need to be right now. And the only way that I'm going to come out of it is by cutting severing ties with that industry almost directly and overnight and quite brutally. Of course, this was the, this was end of 2018. So throughout 2019, I was kind of freelancing, still half in, half out of journalism you know kind of still in that world doing a little bit here yeah. and there but finding my feet trying to figure it out I did a course online in fiction writing because everyone was like oh you got to go and write a book
1: yeah because you've all the stories yeah, and the well, fashion." well and... I
0: mean I wanted to write fi- I, I'm a huge 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 consumer of fiction particularly fantasy fiction and I would have loved to be an author and write novels and and I just not very good at it I found out <laughs> journalism is very different it's it's factual you know so i I did this incredible course that's really really highly recommended in london and it just didn't stir me and i just i think i'm a reader not not a writer of fiction but you tried but i tried it i gave it a shot i gave it a shot and it it didn't you know so 2019 then of course covid hits and Mm. actually whilst you know the pandemic was so awful and so tragic for so many people and you know h- hideous in terms of the impact that it had on economies and lives but for me it actually in a way helped because when you strip everything away mm-hmm. you realize what actually matters and what you want and what you don't want and if you had asked me before covid what it was that I loved most in my life apart from family. I couldn't have told you I was confused. I was, you know, blinded by the fashion bubble. It was the Chanel handbags and the travel to Paris and the lovely restaurants and hotels. And that's what I thought I wanted Mm because that's almost what I'd conditioned myself to hold up on a pedestal when it was all taken away. What was the first thing I wanted to do when those restrictions were lifted? Go to a group exercise class. Mm. And I would never have I didn't realise that's what I missed until it was taken away from me. Yeah. And then I was like, Ah, oh, OK, <laughs> this is actually what I enjoy, not the restaurants and the fashion shows and the celebrities and the glamour. It's actually that. Yeah. So let's kind of lean into it. And I trained as a spinning instructor.
1: And was that something that you did that you loved doing yourself anyway? Or was it just, I think that's going to fit
0: my energy and work with what I'm going to do? I'd never actually done spinning. I I did a lot of group exercise, but more along the CrossFit or HIT type workouts. And then went to a spin class as restrictions lifted. It was something I'd always put off because I always thought it was a bit culty and a bit weird (laughs) on one side and a bit like spiritually, which I'm not. And I could work. And I couldn't, and I couldn't have all that, like, in a chat going on. And then, and then on the other side, so there was one side of it, I thought that. Then the other side, you've got these studios with leaderboards. I thought, well, I could never. I'd just be too. Yeah, exactly. I can't, like, I don't, well, But I think because coming back after COVID, all that pressure kind of gone. Yes. I thought, okay, let's just give it a try. Let's watch, see what people are talking about. Yeah. And just immediately fell in love. And I was like, this, I can really. See this. I love it. It's just want to do it every second of every day. I love the music. I love the energy. I love the Mm -hmm. dark. I love the sweat. I love the movement. So, just kind of started as a client, then trained as um, an instructor, and then crank advertised for instructors. And I would never, ever have had the balls to apply for that role because I'm significantly older (laughs) than most of the instructors, not from a fitness background, but one of the instructors there who didn't know that I'd done a course and that was interested in it, screenshot the advert and sent it to me, DM'd it to me and said, you should try for this. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Yeah, yes, and if, so if he hadn't sign. have done that, then yeah. I would never have put my hand up and kind of stepped into that audition because huge imposter syndrome, huge. But because he did that, because I thought he's seen that in me and he doesn't know yeah. I've that I've kind of seen it in me as well. You know, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That gave me the confidence to kind of do the audition and, and get through. And then Crank, you know, they really took a chance on me. I'm older. I'm not from that background. I have no experience. I have to start at the bottom, learn everything from mm-hmm. scratch. But well, the guys that run that fitness studio in Al-Sakal are pretty magic. i had them on my podcast. Yes, of course. You've had them, <laughs> yeah, now, haven't you? Yes, so I So you know, yeah. you know, he's pretty magic. Link and, his episode in the show oh, notes for yeah. this as well for those
1: that want to hear the backstory of Crank. He talked a lot about culture and people. yeah. And he said a lot, they're not the right fit. We don't have them, but we're a family. Like I really remember him being quite passionate about that as well.
0: It's so true. And it's not just the owners or the management or the instructors, it's the crew, it's the clients. It really is a very special, special community. It's a very flat hierarchy. So the crew, the guys, but but he's not, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm a freelancer there, so I can pretty much say what I like. It's really true that the the guys who come and clean the bikes are given as much respect and as much love and time and attention and are as much a part of the family as your sellout instructor who's waitlisted and <laughs> you know it's really everyone together and the client who is maybe not very fit who's maybe down at the bottom of that leaderboard is given just as much love and attention and we care so much about them as much as the one that's smashing it you know every week it doesn't that leaderboard thing doesn't no one cares you know we just want everyone to be together and to have fun and to sweat and to work out and to hope that that makes them perform better in in the rest of their lives makes them happier healthier
1: I love that. And I think people listening to this, there'll be people that have made the transition. There'll also be people that are, have got their toe in and out the water and they're going, I want to leave whatever I'm doing and do something else. But I think that's a really interesting point you made where you didn't know what you wanted to do. And I've got friends that want to go and do something else. They don't know what they want to do. What advice would you have? Because you tried something, which I think is one of the best places to start. What would you say to someone else that's thinking, I'm dipping my I mean,
0: baby toe in. It is almost like putting yourself, but for me, it was that that COVID mindset. I mean, I had no choice. It, everything was taken away from all of us. So if you can almost put yourself in that position where mm-hmm. everything's gone, you can't do anything. You can't leave your house. What's the first thing you want to do when you can leave it? And what do you miss? Yeah. What do you mm. really, really want to do? And what do you not care if you ever do it again?
1: Yeah. It's interesting, COVID and, and I, you know, a lot of people for the challenges that it caused many, there's so many people that have come on to the podcast and said, but it was actually a massive time for reflection. And this massively positive thing yeah. happened out of it. Yeah.
0: Which is it's great if you can take something, something yeah. positive from it.
1: So the, the, the piece of the, the transitioning, which I think is amazing. One of the things that you've always done pretty consistently is your personal brand. And I think the visibility piece of, you know, you shared. The glamorous life as editor we know it's not but other people are seeing it on the outside but you've also kind of shared your transition through that but also through that you've actually still had work coming through because you've had a personal brand um, yeah. in the sense of speaking opportunities influence opportunities you having me on your podcast yeah <laughs> what kind of you know is that something that you've done consciously and realized that you needed to do or is it something you've enjoyed doing or?
0: I suppose I'm very aware of branding and marketing because when you work in the luxury industry, you're kind of hand in hand with the best branding experts in the world. You're very much tasked with working with interpreting their branding strategies and understanding them and understanding their motivations and why and how these brands are built and how they communicate. So it's, it's something that is very much a Part of me almost by osmosis it's yeah. like, I really understand Chanel's marketing strategy here or Dior's direction. Or, so, it, it's that is something that I have probably heavily internalized. So, I'm quite aware of it, yeah. I guess. And, aware, you know, as much as I love teaching at crank and mm-hmm. teaching spinning, and it's very much something I would hope I can do until the arthritis means I'm falling off the bike. <laughs> From a financial point of view, I do need a, a bigger game plan as well. It's, yeah. I think it's important to be honest to people that if you leave a big job like that and it was a big job with a decent paycheck yeah. to another job that isn't quite financially yeah, yeah, the yeah. same recompense you either have to be aware of that and make the lifestyle adjustments or have another game plan you know further down the line which you know I have although again it's come quite organically and it's yeah. it's come on the back of the fitness in- instructor thing so and if you want to launch again another reason for leaving was that I didn't really want to work for anyone else ever again I draw the line at Nuno. He's amazing. <laughs> but he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful boss. He yeah. really genuinely is. But I really wanted to, and I'm a freelancer, so yeah. essentially I am still my own boss. I really wanted to be my own boss and to mm-hmm. not have to answer to people that I don't want to answer to. So I, I always knew I wanted to, to launch my own thing. Yeah. Um, and the brand, if you want to do that, the brand's invaluable, right? You've yeah. already created something of a community or you've laid out your aesthetic or you're you're already telling that story
1: and the credibility you know I think as much as you might not be in that industry now there's it's it was a big industry and well thought of that that doesn't go away whether you're not in that industry anymore you just take it to the next place and what your bigger game plan is so what is the bigger
0: game plan (laughs) so sportswear yep Not athleisure. Okay, okay. (laughs) Nothing against the athleisure, but there's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. What I've really noticed that I've struggled with, and looking at the community who work out that I see, is there's a real lack of sportswear options for women who aren't twenty-year-old yogis, you know, with the leg up here and (laughs) nothing falling out. (laughs) Um, No muffin tops. Exactly. (laughs) So. The sportswear options that I'm often presented with, if I go to the mall and I want to go and buy, for me, it's a new outfit, right? Because I'm not going to the parties and the dinners and this and that, yeah, yeah. but I am going, I am working out every day or, you know, I think I'm, I'm on a stage or, you know, I want something nice to wear. There's just nothing that does the job that I also love. Yeah. You know, there's the stuff I love. I can't. <laughs> You're going to see way more than you need to see. <laughs> And then the stuff that's going to kind of hold me and support me and cover the bits that need to be cut is just really boring. Yeah. yeah There's yeah. nothing meeting in the middle. Yeah, okay. And I think increasingly you look at J-Lo, we look at Jane Fonda. Women are working out for longer. My mum is 71 and she can hold a seven minute plank.
1: Oh my goodness. I know, I know.
0: She always wins the competitions against the 20 year olds that they have in the fitness club where she, where oh, she wow. lives. So women are staying fit and active mm-hmm. for longer and it's not body shape thing it's not you know it's just a mental health thing getting Mm. through the menopause doesn't really matter what what you look like I think and it people that do it for what they look like probably don't have good outcomes you have to because you love it Mm because it clears the head and so I feel like there's this huge everyone's looks brands always look young they always how do we get the next generation how do we get the next generation no one looks at me (laughs) I feel and beyond yeah and so there's a huge gap of, of products that I would like and communication that speaks directly to me. I can't be the only one, mm. surely. Well, if I am, I'll have a very small company, but I'll look great, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I love it. I'll just sell to I'll myself. There I'll you go. So yes, I'm working with a business partner who's a bridal designer here in Dubai to launch a sportswear brand. I love Everybody it. this year. Excellent. It's been a slow process Yeah, because we're trying to build a brand, not just sell clothes. Well, yeah. Yeah. So they're really engineered and designed and thought through and wear tested and wash tested, and we're in that process at the minute because I don't want anything that I wouldn't wear or I'm comfortable with. Because if it if I can jump around in it and nothing falls out, yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting because I remember you know putting my styling hat on, and when I was with clients, what was quite interesting is that my clients that were say in their late forties, fifties, sixties had money to spend. Yeah, so they, they would go into. The designer clothes shops or the certain brands, and they'd be like, I can't wear any of this stuff. And then a lot of the time it's marketed to, like, they found frustrated because, you know, their body shapes change so much and, you know, they're maybe carrying extra weight. And they're like, hang on a minute, but this designer stops at a size UK 12. Why? When they're a a 14 or 16. And they're like, but I've got the money to spend. Yeah. And it's really frustrating that then in your 20s, when you don't have the money
0: necessarily, (laughs) That's when the clothes or that's when the designers are, are marketing. Totally. And it's the same with sportswear, you know, as you have children or go through the menopause, you know, this weight starts to accumulate here or in different places. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it shifts around. And I don't want that squidgy bit over my sports bra. And There are ways to work with it and yeah. to make you feel Not that I don't just have to put a baggy t-shirt on because why should we? Because if we're trying to encourage women to work out more, Mm -hmm. to support their mental health, to keep them physically active for longer and therefore able to support communities around them, it's so much more empowering when you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm going to put the new outfit on Mm -hmm. and go to the gym and look good and boss it and pick up that heavy weight rather than like, oh, I've got to put some (laughs) saggy old leggings and throw a t-shirt over (laughs) the top because I don't want, you know, to show people to
1: see and yeah but it's quite an interesting mentality having someone also been through the last three years shall we say four years of really that feeling that you said you you have to love it like I I miss it when I don't work out so I'm in that headspace now where it is part of my day and it's a non-negotiable yeah but it's funny about the clothing piece that I never valued the clothing that you wear and how you feel going to the gym because I was like hey it's the gym it's going to get sweaty what does it matter but actually wearing something really nice when feels good when you're working out yes. it makes you work out more definitely it really does and I think that's all part of your brand as well you know that style piece whether it's in the gym whether it's on Instagram out home whatever is all how you present yourself and how you feel and yeah and I love
0: it when clients come into the gym wearing like a rocking outfit and just looking it lifts the entire energy and mm-hmm. it it inspires me in a way to to work out And I'm like yeah it's you know you like to be around aesthetically pleasing things yeah. I think whereas when everyone's just in a drab t-shirt it's like oh school pee lesson you know <laughs> we've got to get through it but I love it when people are like zhuzhed up and you know yeah looking far and it's not it's really not a body size thing you know Mm-mm-mm. it's just about being confident and looking cool and feeling happy in, in what you're wearing and feeling yeah I look my best and I feel safe to jump I think that's also really important yeah like, you know it, it's the, everything's gonna hold in exactly or it's not gonna, it's not gonna it's, rip you know when you're on the beach okay you're in swimwear but you're pretty much horizontal like this and you can breathe in when you walk to the bar but you don't have to move around too much whereas in the gym you've really got to have that Ability, you want to feel free and you want to feel you can jump around, but also why not look good doing it?
1: Yeah. What are some of the strategies that you've learned from your fashion days, the luxury brand strategy interviews that you've had with people? What are you bringing into your brand? Like, what's kind of resonated
0: with you that you're like, "Hmm." I think having that laser focus on the customer is really, really important and it's very easy. As I'm discovering, to get swayed from that, particularly in sportswear, particularly when you're trying to do something that no one's really doing. Mm-hmm. So it's quite hard to convince the factories or to explain to them of what I'm trying to create when everything else is X, Y, and Z, which is for your 20 year old yogi who has 5% body fat. And so you, you do start to question, oh, maybe I should just do that. But I'm like, no, no, no. I know I'm the customer. I know I can't wear that. I know it's not going to feel good and look good. So having that laser focus on the customer. And sticking to those roots, because all those brands that have this in, the incredible branding, the Vuittons, the Chanel's, the Dior's, they have that heritage story and they don't sway from it. Mm-hmm. You know, Vuitton has its travel roots. Chanel has that audacity embodied by yeah. Coco Chanel and they really stick to it and it underpins everything they do really mm-hmm. cleverly. And it doesn't mean they're not changing and modernizing and moving on, but they have that laser focus is it is that chanel yes or, or no and mm. you know they really stick to it
1: so what are you bringing in your your story
0: of you not being able to find yeah so really taking that woman that i would say 35 to end of life woman who has got a bit of money i'm not too worried about price i'm quite happy to come in at a higher price i think there's some elasticity in the sportswear market there's a lot of comp- people competing down at the bottom end and yeah. it's very disposable and the product's pretty rubbish and you wear it once and you realise it looks awful and you've got sweat patches and uh, so you never wear it again it sits at the bottom if of the drawer. If you don't feel good then that's no. not coming and out. And that's actually even if it was made out of recycled polyester it's not sustainable because you've never worn it again. The sustainable piece for me is the piece that you wear again and again and again because you love it, it does the job, you look good, you feel confident, you don't need to worry about it. Put it on and you can go and boss mm. your workout. So yeah, just having that focus on really strong, powerful, beautiful, not child. You know, it's not wanting to be that 20-year-old yogi because I'm never going to be her. Mm-hmm. But I could be j Yeah. Watch this
1: space. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was to cast our wand and say five years from now, where is the brand? Does the brand have a name that you can share?
0: Yeah, it does. It's called, so the, it's two words. Yep. The first word is Allez, A-L-L-E-Z, as in the French for go. The second word is kit, mm-hmm. as in gear mm-hmm. or stuff, you know, like your sports kit, basically. Yes. So Alley kit. The primary branding is that the Alley yep. piece, but for various trademarking reasons, I needed to. Okay. <laughs> so, and it's also fairly gender neutral. So, yep. hopefully, you know, the dream would obviously be to go into menswear, what have you, in the okay. future. But. Strongly starting with women to get that luxury positioning that I want. The Mm -hmm. performance we're starting very very small, Kelly. Here I am talking a massive game. I'm starting tiny. I'm really inspired by Huda. Yeah, beauty. She started with six thousand dollars and one pair of false eyelashes. We're kind of on that model of starting tiny, tiny, tiny. I'm bootstrapping it. Yeah, we're like I've got friends doing graphics. You know, it it's really tiny to get it right and build and build and build. If it performs as I think it will, because mm-hmm. I do think in fact, I know there's a huge hole in that market, then hopefully we'll get to a point where we can get some investment and really scale it and ideally go global yeah, I mean I would love it to be a billion dollar brand in five ten years. my husband would <laughs> he, but it's it's very much something that I'm doing because I really believe in it and I'm really passionate and I'm also really selfish and I want the product, not from a fine it's not financially driven, which I think is maybe a mistake. I've spoken to some entrepreneurs for advice along the way and they get their pens out and they're starting to do margins and, you know, cut those costs there. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, Well, if I wanted to do that, I could have done it mm. cheaper and, you know, in and out, quick exit, da, da, da. not brand build, just sell, sell some leggings. That's yeah. fine. It's not hard to do that. I can do that. But I really want to Build a legacy brand that maybe one day my daughter might run. She's mega sporty. She really inspires me. So it's a very different, slow approach. Yeah. Love it. That it come, genuinely comes from here. And I get, you know, I look at my mom and she's like, doesn't have anything interesting to buy for, mm. for sportswear because she's 71. No one cares about her as a customer. Yeah. Well, Bloody hell, they should. She could do a seven-minute plank, what? Yeah. <laughs> Give Elizabeth Foster some good sports. Well, then
1: I think that's the space now. If I look around, at sort of forty and fifty. They're working out, yeah,
0: and sixty, and seventy, and eighty.
1: Well, and now, it'll and by the time going, we're there, yes. yeah, ninety.
0: Yeah. By the time my mum's there, ninety.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All Exciting the way to, there's, there's no reason to stop. Yeah, you know, as, as long as you start young enough that you can maintain it, you can't suddenly start becoming a bodybuilder. at Ninety. You can at seventy. Yeah. Some have. I've
1: seen some of the posts, actually. There's been yeah. there. Did you, Joan? Yes, you
0: Train with Joan. Yes, yeah. I
1: have, yeah. and she's done this remarkable journey. I did actually send it to my mum, and she was like, she took that somewhere else. She's like, what are you trying to tell me? I was like, <laughs> just to be inspired by it. <laughs> it. It really is. So in that sort of when you're doing it and bootstrapping it yourself, what's the sort of the marketing strategy on that for you? How are you going to? get people in it and know about it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's obviously where the personal branding does help because if you don't want to pay for a model or a photographer or a magazine cover, then, you know, at least I can wear it myself. My husband can take some photos. So, it, you know, in terms of having people already ask about, and loads of people are asking, when's it launching, when's it launching? Because I wear it to work, to crank, try and get it out there. At the minute, we don't have product to sell. We are still working on it, but it will start, you know, through social, mm-hmm. definitely, through other women that I'm inspired by that represent, you know, the Your community. ideal client. Yeah, ho- yeah, hopefully. So I'll be able to get some friends to wear it. <laughs> I hope. But yeah. yeah, I mean, in initial stages, there's obviously there isn't budget. So it is taking advantage of opportunities like this. Thank yeah, you yeah. very much. You're welcome. To get the word out there and try and talk about it. But yeah, slowly, slowly. I'm not going to chuck a ton of money onto paid Advertising, it's something that I want really people to believe in the product and buy mm. it because it really works for them, yeah, not just because they've seen an ad on Instagram. That's a different DTC sales strategy that will eventually eat itself. You know this is very organic slowly,
1: well, and I think that piece where you have got the brand, that you are wearing it, that you have got an audience, that it's kind of the obvious next step to go, well, what can I do to sell to that audience?
0: Yeah. Did you always think that you would have a building no, line at some point? No, no, because yeah. I'm not a designer. I can't draw. But the love for fashion and dressing up and color and fabric, that never goes it's away. away yeah. I've always yeah. had that. And I think I have it more now that I don't work in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. I think when you work in the fashion industry, you, you do hit a wall with it. Mm-hmm. And you're also, it's very prescribed What's cool, what's not cool, what's on trend, what's... and often the stuff that's on trend is. I'm valuable. not weird in that. Yeah, but it very <laughs> much goes against what I like or what I would genuinely yeah. like, but it's cool. And a lot of the stuff that I love is not cool. So you kind of have to quash a bit of yourself to fit into that, you know, that sort of French girl, cool vibe that whatever it is that's going on. Whereas I'm naturally a bit more like Barbie ish, you know, <laughs> I love pink and shiny. And, you know, if I was to really let my own self shine through in terms of fashion it's my own taste is probably not what the industry would consider as cool yeah. but it's what i like and now that i don't have to worry about representing yeah i can embrace my inner peaches and cream Barbie kelly i
1: love it <laughs> did you feel leaving this sort of fashion industry behind that it was a little bit of a relief
0: yeah it is it's it was an immediate relief and then everyone's like don't you miss it? Don't you have FOMO? You're not fashion week. You're not Kim Kardashian's in town and she hasn't called you. Occasionally I'd be like, what have I done? You know, and it, I have to be honest, there, there are times you think, oh, I'm not invited to that. Or, you know, they've forgotten people that, you know, you thought were maybe friends or, you know, but again, you, I'm lucky enough that I'm a 45 year old woman. I'm sensible enough to understand how it works and to, be able to step back and not take it personally and realize I didn't want to go to a dinner anyway. I want to go to bed at seven o'clock. I actually hate it when I didn't Life like five
1: it. Like early <laughs> night. I didn't like it when I was invited for the dinners and I was getting
0: paid to go. To. That's the other thing. When you, when you leave and you're freelancing and you get, you still get invited to events, you're not being paid to go to them anymore. You know, previously, at least I was getting a salary. So it's like, is this how I want to spend my day? I'm not getting paid to be here. I'd rather be in bed. What am I get? How is it helping my life yeah 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 so I, I kind of pulled back a lot from things which is probably why I get invited to nothing now because I, I don't yeah. really want to go but you do kind of want to be invited even though you don't want to go it is that thing isn't it it's tricky but I you just have to stay strong and say okay it looks great and it looks lovely but actually I'm going to feel better if I just go to bed and
1: yeah because I only asked that from my own perspective as well that that I thought that I would massively miss. The fashion piece and and I still touch on it in in what I do with the personal brand piece and clients. And I still love the opportunity to help them with their personal branded style and where they're going. So I can touch on it a little bit. But from the events perspective or, you know, being in on it, it actually feels I can be more me. I don't know why I felt I couldn't be me before, but I don't know if that's a thing in the fashion industry that there is always this, you need to be someone else. Yeah, there is. There is
0: definitely an element of conforming to whatever is perceived as mm. chic and cool. And, and that might not match with you know, sure. your, your authentic self. And when you work for a brand like Harper's Bazaar, more than Grazio, Harper's Bazaar particularly, you know, it's 150 years old. There's this huge heritage on your shoulders of style and grace and elegance that as the editor-in-chief, you are entrusted to continue and promote. And when you're a bit of a klutz who likes a pink, shiny dress and isn't actually that chic Corinne Reutfeld, you know, yeah. type character. Um, you are always trying to put yourself into a box that mm. is maybe not the actual yeah. fit. Whereas You know, on the stage flipping it back to crank. On the stage at crank when I'm teaching a spin class, I can play whatever music I want, you know, I can play Britney Spears, I can play Banging EDM, I can play both of them back to back. That I can entirely be myself and the best instructors are the ones who are themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like me and you don't like my music and you don't like my energy and my vibe, that's totally cool. There's a load of other instructors you can go to. But I don't I can be me. And again with crank, actually, interestingly, at the beginning I did try a bit to be that cool instructor and play the latest Swedish House Mafia release, you know, even if I didn't really like it. And then I realised, you know what, it's not, it doesn't speak to me. I have to play the music that I love, that speaks to my soul, that makes me smile that makes me want to sweat and move. And hopefully that, you know, that comes across. But you have that freedom. Whereas I, in fashion, I never felt yeah. I had that freedom. That piece. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for sharing this. I have one last question. And I guess sure. it goes back to into the, the brand piece of an editor and, and those that are maybe listening and going, how can someone get featured? What do you look for when you're featuring someone, whether it was Grazia or a piece in, in Harper's? What are some of the key things that...
0: I think the first thing, and it's really boring, but the thing, the first thing that people need to know, if you want to be featured in a magazine or a publication, read the magazine or the publication. (laughs) Familiarize yourself with the staff that work there, what their job titles are with the sections of Mm. the magazine. Think about where your story could fit into one of those sections because when people would approach and it was very clear, they'd never picked up a copy of it. Yeah. I'm not your personal PR assistant. Sorry. <laughs> Where the editor's job is not to tell the story of the brand. Okay. It is from an advertising point of view, but yeah. that's a whole other story that is a different podcast. That's a, a campaign podcast. It's to serve the reader and to give the reader interesting stories. So we're not thinking, you know, we should be thinking about the reader mm. and what's going to be interesting for them. What they're going to learn what they're going to take away from it. That's my job as an editor, not to promote someone's business. Yeah. Obviously if that someone's business is has a million dirham a year advertising contract with us, it's slightly different, different piece. So you really have to think about tell how your story is going to inspire that reader. Mm-hmm. Help the journalists out. They're swamped, particularly in this part of the world. Really say, okay, this is going to fit really nicely on that page. This is the angle try and understand how, the, how those stories are put together. Do as much of the work for them as you can in terms of great high-res imagery that hasn't been seen anywhere else, that fits the style of the magazine. Anything that's going to save them time and money whilst speaking to their reader is going to really help. But please read the magazine, at least buy a copy, pretend that you're really familiar with it and be nice about it. Say, I loved your last issue. The story on so and so was so inspiring. It made me do X, Y, and Z. Then you've immediately got them on side. So don't great tip. call up and ask for a staff member that left five years ago, <laughs> which would happen all the time. By the way. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because if, you're, if you value the coverage they can give you, yeah. you need to value them in return, I think, yeah. as the person looking for the PR. You need to show that you respect their work because you want their work. Yeah. So it's a two-way. I love it. Two-way street.
1: Thank you so much for sharing it. Your insights, the transition and the exciting part going forward. And I will happily wear yes, one please. of the uh, new PCs when Amazing. it's ready. So let me just go into my quick fire question. Okay. Um, do you know Esther Perel as in, have you
0: heard of her? The relationship. I was going to use another word that didn't begin with R, it began with set.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yes yeah. um she did this great box of cards called okay. where we should where should we begin okay with questions okay that you're like oh, okay that's quite interesting so I'm going to shuffle and okay. bring it out if you don't want to answer it, it's okay I think it just gives people that
0: perspective
1: I make too big a deal about ah uh, <laughs>
0: I don't think I'm really pretty damn chill yeah yeah
1: If I could whisper something in the ear of my younger self, I would say.
0: Oh, so much. One thing. Be more active, more sporty because you love it. Yeah. Just go out for a run and yeah. Were were you sporty at school? Not massively. No, Mm. I think, I think the new, but when we were, I can't catch a ball, like no coordination. And there was that very much that thing that if you couldn't catch a ball, you can play tennis, you can play netball. Couldn't play hockey, never did that. Rounders don't even get me started. (laughs) Therefore, you weren't, therefore, you're not sporty. So you kind of got sidelined. Whereas actually, I'm really good at running and cycling and individual, different. But because that wasn't seen, it took a long time to love it. Yeah. And I wish I'd loved it earlier at a younger age. Yeah. Very good. Last
1: one. I lose all willpower when it comes to
0: most things alcohol, (laughs) champagne. (laughs) (laughs) You allowed that. Yeah, why not? Champagne. 100%, <laughs> really? 100%, yeah.
1: Still, even when you know you've got a spin class the next day?
0: Yeah. I'm very all or nothing. I have to just be really good at not if okay. I if I need to not. Or I lean into it. I'm fine. I can teach you. the it's fine. It actually makes you better. <laughs> we we'll sweat it out. Like, none of this one-glass nonsense. No, no, no. Yeah. Once, I, go once I start, I don't I stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so nice to catch up. Well, long overdue. I wish you every success with your new brand. Thank,
0: Thank you, Kelly. You. Thanks for the chat. It was lovely.
1: Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better you can also share this on social media screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand then check out our new website Brand New Creators designed by our in-house team and we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility build industry authority lead change motivate and profit who doesn't want that i look forward to speaking to you soon until next time bye